It's good. So come on, pray. Open your mouth and pray and talk to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for your presence here. Father, thank you that you're changing us. And we pray that you will continue to speak to us through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may take your seats. I think it sounds a bit loud for me over here. Does it sound loud? Well, it sounds loud for me here. So if you don't mind lowering it a little bit for me. Okay. All right. We are going to continue our teaching on wisdom. I know that for some of you, you feel like you've heard enough about wisdom. Give us something new, something fresh. Well, like I said, I could teach this thing for three years. And, uh, and maybe we should do that. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to continue where we, were. we left off last week. Um, this is, I think, part what? Part nine? Part nine. Wisdom from the little people. We've been talking about wisdom. Proverbs 4 verse 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. And we define wisdom as the correct application of knowledge with understanding or based on the understanding we have. Now, what I'm doing now is I want to pick some nuggets from the Word of God about how we live a wise life. And so, Proverbs chapter 30, verses 24 to 28, teaches us about four creatures that we can learn wisdom from. So, verse 24, there are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. In other words, when you observe them, you will learn a wisdom that will empower you to contextualize how they live their life in your context, both spiritually and in the natural. Verse 25, the ants are a people not strong, yet they prepare their food in the summer. I call them the wise opportunist. We looked at that last week. The rock badgers are a feeble folk. They make their homes in the crags or they make their homes in rocks on the sides of mountains or in mountains. So their homes are in rocks in mountains or hills. They're feeble. They look a bit like, a, they look a bit like, a, what's that thing? Like a, Larger guinea, guinea, guinea pig, yeah. Anyone ever had a guinea pig before? No, not a rat. Guinea pig. Guinea pig, anyone? Anyone here has ever had a guinea pig? Uh-huh, I just want to check. Hey, so you, I used to have mice. I used to have mice as a pet, and then my dad caught me with them and I threw them away. Anyway, um, yeah, I like, I like animals. Anyway, let's move on. He says, the rock badgers are a feeble folk, yet they make their homes in the crags. 
Now, we're not going to dwell on them, but this is a fascinating study on these um, rock badgers. The wisdom we learn from the rock badger is this, that even though it is a weak animal, it has learned to make its home in the rocks. And when you study that, you realize that one of the lessons is this, no matter how weak you are, you can make Jesus your home. You can make him your home. He is the rock by which we can find refuge, and from him we can live an elevated life. So these weak creatures, in all their weakness, easy prey creatures, are able to live a life where they are successful because they live in the rocks. And in the same way as believers, we are able to live our lives in a way that will glorify God when we make Jesus our home, when we make him our rock. We don't have time, so I don't want to go into that, but it's fascinating. The locusts have no king. We're going to dwell with them. Yet, they all advance in ranks. We're going to dwell with the locusts today. And then the spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. So, you have the ant, who's the wise opportunist. You have the rock badger, who I call the wise home builder. He builds his house wisely. And our Lord Jesus talks about the wise man who built his house where? Upon a rock. It's like the rock badger. So that when the rains came and the floods came and the winds blew, their house was solid because it was established on the rock. And that's what the, the rock badger speaks to us about these kind of things, the wisdom of living your life centered on Christ. And then the spider, here it says spider. Some version says lizard. So the Hebrew word for spider here can also be translated lizard. It's a, very interesting. I'm not sure why. I've tried all the research. I, I can't seem to get There's all kinds of things about this particular thing. But here's the point. I call the spider lizard. <laughs> I call him or it the wise pilgrim. Why? He says... The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. Now, another version will put it like this. A lizard, this is another version. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. That's the NIV. Amplified says, you may grasp the lizard with your hands, yet it is in king's palaces. So you have the spider, and you have the lizard. Same verse. So I think that the Holy Spirit is communicating something to us about how we're supposed to live our lives. So let's look at the spider briefly. Just like, like the spider is like a, a wise craftsman. It weaves its web, lives in that web, uses that web to also sustain itself. But it ends up being in king's palaces. And what's the lesson there? God gives you an ability and that ability is given to you so that, one, you can succeed in life, so that you can grow in grace, so that you can ward off the enemy, so that you can build your home. But as you are faithful like the spider with your ability and you do it well, God has a way of bringing you to a place of promotion. Not only in the natural, but more importantly in the spirit where you come into the king's presence. 
And so, regardless of where you are in life, if you learn to be faithful, because that's what the spider speaks to us of, if you learn to be faithful with what God gives you, where you are, over time, God, who exalts in due season, will promote you accordingly and bring you to a place of promotion referred to as the king's palace. Now, let's look at the lizard. We can learn the wisdom from the lizard as well. Because he says, lizards can, are easy to catch, but they are even found in king's palaces. So the wisdom from the lizard is this. The lizard is a very common animal among some... How many of you have seen wiz- lizards before? Not wizards, lizards, lizards. <laughs> and now when we were children, I don't know how comes I've got that time. But <laughs> when we were children... We used to try and catch lizards. And, uh, and some of you Western young men, when you see a, a, a lizard, <laughs> lizard, seriously, a mouse, oh, a mouse. We used to hold them. In fact, you know, sometimes I catch the mouse and I hold it like that and I just, you know, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Now, they're easy to catch. In other words, he says they're easy to catch, yet they end up in king's palaces. So what's the wisdom we learn from that, the lizard? It's this. When you live your life in the flesh, anybody can get you. you. The enemy can trap you. You see, the lizard is easy to catch because it's in, it shows itself when it shouldn't be showing itself. And in the same way, as a believer, if you allow your flesh to be always evident, then your enemy can catch you. But the reason why the lizard ends up in king's palaces is because even though it's easy to catch, it's learned a secret how to hide. And in our faith, as we die to self and allow Christ to be evident, he eventually will bring us into the king's palace. So that's the wisdom. Anyway, so that's it. Now, let's talk about where I want to go today. I want us to look at the locust, locust, locust. So look at what he says, verse 27. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. Locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. There's a wisdom we can learn from the locusts as individuals and as a church, as families, that will put us in the purposes of God. Now, I've done some research on this, and so I want to read some of the stuff that I have found, you know, just briefly about locusts. So, this is, this is um, from the internet, JB style. A plague of locusts is a devastating natural disaster. These infestations have been feared and revered throughout history and continues to still wreak havoc today. Locusts are sometimes solitary insects, but with the right conditions, they band together into swarms and enter a behavioral phase called the gregarious or social phase. These swarms devastate crops, cause major agricultural damage, and attendant, attendant to human misery, or cause great human misery, which is famine and starvation. Locusts can be really underestimated in their devastating effect. Um, a lo- locust swarms can be so strong that Literally, one swarm has the potential to fill a fifth of the land surface of the earth. One swarm. 
one swarm, a fifth of the land surface of the earth. And when a local swarm begins to advance, there's literally nothing that can be done to stop it unless a lot of money is spent and uh, a lot of effort is put in. Uh, It's a very, very powerful advancement, local swarms. Now, um, there was a, there was, they're, they're so powerful in how they travel that um, I think in 1954, a swarm, a local swarm flew from north, northwest Africa all the way across the sea to Great Britain. And in another place, they flew from um, West Africa to the Caribbean. One swarm. That's how powerful they are. Now, how do locusts move in ranks? So, uh, first of all, it takes only three locusts to make a swarm. Three. So, if you have three locusts from that band, they can begin to grow, grow, grow to where they fill a fifth of the earth's land surface. Isn't that amazing? Well, I think it was anyway. <clears throat> and uh, the thing about how they advance in the band is that a locust, locusts need to be in contact with two other locusts for it to be safe and for it to be able to do what it's supposed to do. And if a locust is not in a swarm, then it becomes vulnerable to being attacked by other locusts because they're cannibals. So they like to eat each other. (laughs) And also become vulnerable to being attacked from other swarms. And the thing about locusts is this, is that they are very, very powerful when they are facing forward. But they're very vulnerable from side attacks. Okay. And to break up a swarm is not easy. Studies have shown that to break up a locust swarm takes a lot of money. In fact, there was one outbreak in West Africa, 2003 to 2005, which cost it cost 400 million U.S. dollars. And the actual devastation that they, cost, they created was five times the amount of that money. So to stop it cost 400 million U.S. dollars, and it cost five times the amount in terms of their damage. That's how powerful locust swarms are. So what are the lessons we learned from the locusts? Right, number one, locusts thrive under the right environmental conditions. In other words, when the conditions are right, where there's been a lot of rain, there's a lot of green plants, and there's breeding, and uh, they begin to congregate together. The lesson that we learn from that is this. God's people begin to thrive when the Holy Spirit begins to have freedom among them. When the rain of the Spirit is released, then you find that God's people begin to thrive. You see, because all these insects, they are speaking to us a spiritual truth. Not only do we learn natural wisdom from them, but we also learn, more importantly, the spiritual wisdom that empowers us to fulfill God's purpose for our life. So, every one of us needs to be in the right spiritual climate if we wish to flourish in life, both spiritually and in the natural. And just like uh, a band of locusts need that right environment, so also do God's people. 
Zechariah 10.1, he says, Ask the Lord for rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the fields for everyone. And this is why as a church we are praying continuously for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Because whatever efforts we, we make, whatever efforts we do, I have been in the faith long enough to know until the Holy Spirit begins to saturate us, God's people, we will always go back to the same old, same old. So that's the first thing. Locusts thrive under the right environmental conditions. In the same way, God's people begin to flourish when the right spiritual climate is in place, when the Spirit is being poured out, when the Word of God is rich, and when there is a healthy relationship amongst God's people. Number two, locusts do not need a king to succeed because they have each other. Locusts do not need a king to succeed because they have each other. The reason why they are able to maintain their rank is that they are constantly on the lookout with the other locusts. Now, in a negative way, what happens is, if they are not watching, guess what? The other one will attack them and eat them. Because they are, like I said, cannibals. But there's a spiritual reality there. And the spiritual reality is this, that God has done it in such a way that locusts can advance as long as they are in close proximity with one another. You see, as God's people, the first thing you need to understand is we don't need any human king to govern us. We don't need any man to tell us this, that, and the other. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers are there to equip God's people so that God's people do works of service. We're not there to tell you how to live your life on a daily basis. No, the Holy Spirit is there to do that. Amen? We're not there to tell you uh, where, who you should marry. The other day, I had somebody come and interview me about whether as a church we are into arranged marriages. We're not. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, look at what he says. He says, but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. What anointing? The anointing of the Holy Spirit. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. Now, it is the Holy Spirit in us who teaches us how to remain in Christ. So when I am ministering the word, the Spirit of God will take the word, if it's of him, and bear witness in your heart about its reality. And this is why it is very wrong for a church to say, for instance, people should dress this way, uh, men should dress this way. You know, I was in a church, and even your haircut, your haircut was, was, was dictated to. The kind of haircut, whether you should have facial hair, you know, um, I don't know what was going on there, but it was there. Good people, but it was there. Now, you don't need that when you get born again. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will tell you things to do and not to do. Now, whether you listen, that's a different thing. But the reality is there are certain things that are wrong for you that are not necessarily wrong for your brother or your sister. 
Somebody said, like what? Shall we say what? So like, for instance, let's take a simple, easy one. Alcohol. Alcohol. There are many Christians who believe that it is a sin to drink alcohol. And it is a sin for them to drink alcohol. They should never drink it. So that's why we do Ribena at communion, just in case it, it will insult your sensibilities. But then there are others who have a revelation that alcohol is nothing. Alcohol is like sugar. It depends how much you take and its influence on your body. Was that a clap for, for the alcohol? Wow. <laughs> I don't know. Now, just like the locusts need no king to succeed because they have each other, God is the only one who has the right to govern our hearts in order for us to succeed, and it is because we have each other to help us. We have, there's so many one another scriptures. That is why as a believer, as we learn about the locusts, you discover I call them the wise community member. The wisdom of the locusts is that they understand the need for community in order to succeed. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> now, our fellow brothers and sisters are there to support us. They're not there to rule our hearts. Our pastors, our elders, our ministers, they're there to support, encourage us. They are not there to govern us. They are not there to dictate to us the, the, the small details of our life, how we should be lived. We must learn to listen to counsel. We must learn to obey those who have the rule over us in the sense of spiritual covering. But the context of that is the church. They don't have the rule over us in our homes. They don't have, a pastor does not have the rule over you in your marriage. A pastor cannot tell your husband how, what kind of clothes he should buy for you. Are you still here? Or whatever. Anyway. Now, the dangers in relying on an individual as your king in order for you to advance is that you end up committing the sin of idolatry. You also stifle initiative. You also kill creativity. And you limit God to that individual. This is one of the reasons why we are decentralizing as a church because we do not want to limit CLF to me or to Greenwich or to an, a group of elders. No. But we want it whereby God is the king. So locusts do not need a king to succeed because they have each other. In the same way, you do not need a king to succeed in the natural because you have the anointing in you to govern you and how you live your life. And also you have your fellow brothers and sisters. Third thing, lesson we learn from the locusts. Locusts are team players and play specific functions within their team. For any venture, any enterprise to succeed, one must learn to work in team and keep rank. The locusts, uh, they start with three, in, um, three in, a, in, a, in a swarm. And as that swarm gets bigger, it becomes more difficult to break. But every one 
of those locusts, and there are literally millions upon millions, is playing a very specific role to maintain the integrity of that swarm. In the same way, as believers, we need to, first of all, be able to identify the community God has joined us to, the spiritual community. Secondly, we need to be able to identify the spiritual family that we are a part of, and even the, our natural family, the roles we are supposed to play. And uh, when we learn to identify the community God joins us to and the role we're supposed to play as believers, then it, it in itself acts as a protective force over our lives. That's one of the wisdoms of the locust. By virtue of its function in its team, it becomes invincible. First Chronicles chapter 12, verse 38, when David was going to be made king, they make a list of all those who came to David. And then it says in verse 28, all these men of war who could keep rank came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest of Israel were of one mind to make David king. You see, that is natural Israel. Spiritually, Jesus is our King David. And we, his people, when we learn to keep rank, we have these same attributes where our goal is to see our Lord Jesus glorified in the Hebron that he places us. Hebron speaks of our first place of elevation and victory. Every believer has a time in their life where they experience a level of victory and success. And at that point, you are supposed to make Jesus king. But look at the attributes. They had a loyal heart. Their heart was dependable. They, they, they were able to keep rank. In other words, they knew their place. They knew their role. They knew their function. And they, it says they were men of war. So I've given it in reverse. They were men of war. They were individuals who knew how to fight. And spiritually, you must learn to be a man of war if you want to make Jesus king. You must learn to be a woman of war. You must learn to be able to fight. That's part of you being in community because your faith will be challenged. You must learn to keep rank. In other words, you must know your limits. We'll touch on that a little bit later. You must know what you can and cannot do and what you are supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. And then you must have a loyal heart before God and men. All right. So, locusts are team players, and they speak to us of the team dynamic required for any joint venture to succeed. It speaks to us of the need of individuals to understand their contribution within the context of the community God joins them to, whether it's your church, whether it's your workplace, whether it's your family. And wisdom requires us to understand our purpose so that we can stay in rank, play our role, without looking at others or comparing ourselves with others. And beloved, when you learn this simple reality, it empowers you for whatever comes your way. It sounds so simple, but... You know, I have 34 plus years of experience and I know what I'm talking about. Amen. It's not arrogance, it's a fact. Four. 
it takes three locusts or more, like I said earlier on, to begin a swarm with the potential to cover a fifth of the earth's land surface. What does this speak of? It speaks of the potential of the church. Our Lord says in Matthew 18, verses 18 to 20, he says, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven, whatever we lose on earth is loose in heaven. Again, 19, I say to you, if two of you shall agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done of them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. The potential that we as believers have when two or three of us just agree is like the potential that locusts have when they start with just three in a swarm. Imagine a band of locusts can carry, can cover a fifth of the earth's land surface. That is, that is huge, isn't it? Yeah. Beloved, it only takes two or three to begin to change a community, change a nation. Yeah. Two or three, who will agree? He says, he says in one place, Deuteronomy 32, verses 28 to 31. Look at what he says. He says this, For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, and that they understand this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand, and two put ten thousand to flight, unless... Their rock had sold them, and the Lord had surrendered them. For their rock is not like our rock, even our enemies themselves being judges. Listen, he's saying this. The reason why people can capitulate to attack is because they're not depending on God. When you have God's people who learn to trust in God, now this was an indictment on God's people, but the reverse is true. When you have God's people who are able to trust in God, just two or three of them, and they agree, God himself steps in on their behalf. The problem we have is that we try to limit God's manners or ways to our understanding. Now, this is why I want to encourage husbands and wives to pray together. To pray together. As I was there, I felt the Spirit say something to me about my context. Because the potential of husband and wives praying together. I'm sorry if you're single. Don't worry, you've got friends as well. So, you know, just, 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 I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I have to address these things as well. You know, I, you know there's a lot of people who have husband and wives. So I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. The potential to create great change. It's tremendous. My 15 minutes that I have left, <laughs> I don't know what, what you're doing with that thing there. <laughs> so my 15 minutes that I have left, I will bring, bring the tying things to a conclusion. When God is with you, he can step in when the dynamic is in place and do what appears ridiculous and impossible. Joshua 23, 10 and 11, I don't think I gave this to you. He says, one man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised. Wow. 
One of you will chase a thousand. Why? Because God is fighting for you. When you understand the God factor in your given context, then everything can have its proper place. I am believing that we will learn the wisdom of the locusts and bring transformation in our given context. Number five, a locust needs to interact with at least two neighbors simultaneously for the swarm to maintain its integrity. What does that speak to us of? It speaks to us of the need for believers to be in continuous fellowship together for the church to advance properly. You see, I might do well on my own, but my actions has an impact on you, whether I like it or not. As a pastor, I know my role. I know what I am supposed to do. But you, listening to me, do you know what you're supposed to do in this church? Because your actions will determine what we are able to do as a community or not. And ultimately, it will have a bearing on you in the age to come. So just bear that in mind. You think it's only me. It's all of us. As believers, we need to be in continuous fellowship with each other. This is why he tells us in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. You see, do not develop the habit that I see in some people where they decide, what day is it today? It's my birthday. Oh, birthday, we don't go to church. Why have you gone quiet? What day is it today? It's the um, first Sunday of the month. First Sunday of the month is a family time. We don't go to church. What, 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 what day is it today? Today is Feeling Free Sunday. Feeling Free Sunday, we don't go to church. In fact, it seems to me that there is a culture that some have developed where any pressure they experience, the first, the first point of termination, the church. I'm under pressure. I need to not be coming to church. Uh, there's so much attacking happening on me. I need, to, I need to, you see, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to be wise like the locusts. So at times people say, so Joe, how, how do you do it? How do you do it? The wisdom of the locust. I know what church is. It's full of people like me. And I know how it has helped me. After four years or so in my local church, I realized that this is not the place for me to come to get fed. After four years. I realized after four years, I had received, the ministry there had equipped me enough that if I needed to be fed, I couldn't get it from the pulpit. Did I leave the church? God forbid. I understood it. Because that church was a foundational church. So when I would come to church, I didn't come so much to learn. I came to serve. Now, I would hear God through my pastor. He was an amazing guy. I'd hear him. But I understood the role of my church. 
And it's because of that church that I am able to do the ministry that I do today. Because I never had any formal training for anybody else to get the glory. It's just life tabernacle. That's the training I got. So nobody can say, he went to this Bible school, went to that one. No. Bishop Dallas. But the point I want to make is, is this. Is that it was through the wisdom that God empowered me through that church that I was able to grow. And I never missed a service except one. One Sunday, which Austin made sure I came in the evening. That's another story. Number six, locust swarms remain. The English, the Western people say bodu. Bodu. What is bodu? Buedu. So I have to embrace what I am. You see, this church has many challenges. Let's put it like that. But if God has brought you here, this is your spiritual family. This is your spiritual family. We are, we are it. We, we, this is it. Until God says it's time to move, just embrace us and love us. And we will love you. And when we love you, we will make mistakes with you. Because you will also make mistakes with us. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. He says this. And I'm bringing this to a conclusion. Abigail is like. He says two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Make sure it's your wife, though. But, but how can one be warm alone? Impossible. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And the threefold cord is not quickly broken. You see, this is why you must learn to unite with the people God brings you to and you must focus in that same direction. Because as you focus in that direction, you protect yourself from the next thing, which is locusts end up attacking and eating each other when they fail to remain in rank. Now, you say, how does that work spiritually? Let me read a scripture to you. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 13 to 15. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour or eat one another, beware, lest you be consumed by one another. See, like the locusts, all of us are prone to spiritual cannibalism. When we walk in the flesh. So when we are in the flesh, we start attacking each other. We start biting at each other. We start devouring each other. And we cease to walk in the purposes of God. And we cease to maintain the unity of the spirit. So when you and I stop focusing on the things of God, we start attacking each other. We start devouring each other. Number eight, locusts move more randomly when they don't have near neighbors. Now, randomness amongst a swarm of locusts is a big problem. That's how 
the swarm can be attacked. And those who are random, that's those locusts who are on the sides. That, that, so, so the swarm is advancing like this. They like kind of advancing in a, a kind of a circle like that. And then you, you're just like, chat. This guy, this one, okay, yeah. So what happens is these guys, as they're going, and you that are there, you become prey to attack. You see? So randomness. Let me tell you something. I said this the other day. Any leader who is unpredictable is a disloyal leader. Every leader has to be predictable. For instance, you should be able to predict that if I preach, I should be anointed. Because if it's like, what's it going to be like today? Shit. Who's speaking? Joseph. Oh, man. Is it going to be good? Is it... After a while, you lose confidence. Or let's just say, when you come to church, Joe, how are you? Things are bad. And then next week, Joe, how are you? Oh, fantastic. Which Joe is going to show up today? <laughs> Let me tell you something. Your life must be predictable before God. The more predictability there is about your character, it means there's a higher level of integrity. For instance, imagine if any time Aisha sees me talking to a man, she's nervous because she doesn't know whether there's some old problem I've had that could come up. You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Or she sees me talking to a woman. She's like, hey, we're going to have a problem. She should be able to predict my behavior. Are you listening? It is very important. We should be able to predict you. Randomness makes you vulnerable to the enemy. Number nine. Is it number nine? Okay. You can look at the rest in the notes. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to pray. What's number nine? What's number nine? Put number nine up, please. Locusts must stay in line facing ahead to prevent it from being attacked. I've kind of said that already, where you stay focused so that you cannot be attacked. And finally, number 10, the best way to stop an advancing army of locusts is by preventing a swarm in the first place. And this is what the enemy has sought to do in many of our lives. He will prevent a swarm in the first place. He will prevent you from becoming one in community. He will prevent you from being united. He will prevent you from proper fellowship. He will prevent you from getting the input, the strength that you need in order to become a swarm, in order to be able to begin to advance and make a change. But I pray that by the grace of God, you will learn the wisdom of the locusts. And I conclude with this. Genesis chapter 11, verses 3 to 8. In fact, this is um, where the Tower of Babel is being built. It says, then they said to one another, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. For, and they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. 
Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from abroad, scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased the building. They ceased the building of the city. They ceased building the city. Why? Because they could no longer be in unity. And this is what the enemy wants to do for you. He wants to cause you to not understand each other. He wants to cause you to be disconnected from fellowship. He wants to cause you to be disconnected from the purposes of God. He wants to cause you to be distracted because he does not want to see the city of God being built because he knows that you are a key stone, a key stone that will ensure that city is glorious and he wants to do everything in his power to stop you. But we have learned the wisdom of the locusts and we are believing that we will be wise in how we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us pray. And I want to pray for you that God will give you the wisdom of the locust. Whether it's spiritually, whether it's naturally, whether it's with your venture, whether it's with your family, God will give you the wisdom of the locust. Now, I just want to pray very specific. Those of you who the Holy Spirit has spoken to very clearly in an aspect of this wisdom, why don't you stand right now and I want to pray and declare over you grace. So as you stand, just lift your hands and let's just, I just want to pray over you. Father, thank you for these individuals that you have spoken to specifically. I am asking that the spirit of wisdom will empower them to be able to express the wisdom of the locusts in their given context. I pray for special grace. I pray for transformation in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. The Lord bless you. Take your seats. Abigail, thank you. We'll, do, we'll pray for you after the service. So we'll be here to pray for people after the service, all right? God bless you.